The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. O Lord, may your word only be spoken, and may your word only be heard. In the name of Jesus Christ, the living word. Amen. I've had the privilege of gathering this fall with parents of young people who are preparing for confirmation next spring. And uh, whenever the kids are meeting in the library with Walter Burge and Jennifer Ubaldino, the parents and I meet in my office to have our own discussions. Now we started, I had this wonderful idea of starting out with a very profound book about the Christian faith and how we practice it in our Episcopal tradition. But we've moved on, fortunately, to uh, deeper discussions about our own faith and especially the hopes and dreams that we have for the faith of our children. And out of these discussions uh, grew a Bible study, which we had last week, which I hope uh, will become a regular feature of our time together. And we use a method called the African Bible study method, which some of you may have used. Um, I won't go into detail, but the primary thrust of this method is that it emphasizes personal reaction to the text rather than discussion. There is no discussion. Rather, we just uh, share in a circle what we hear for us particularly in the text. And there's no crosstalk, no discussion. It's just out there after we've shared. And it's very powerful. And The parents and I shared deeply. And one of the ideas that came out of this holy reading of the gospel last Sunday, which also was about John the Baptist, was the thought that parents may be called to be John the Baptist figures for our children. Now, this doesn't mean that the menu at the dinner table will change to bugs and wild honey. And it's not to say that parents should greet their children each day with a message of harsh repentance and judgment. 
especially the way we hear John described in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But rather, parents need to think about being a voice in the wilderness of youth culture, a voice in the thicket of complicated choices and temptations that our children are faced with. We're meant to help clear the way, making a space for a more likely hearing, a more receptive hearing of the message and the practices of Jesus. Now, this this really stopped me in my tracks. I had always thought that Christians were meant to be Christ's, little Christ's out in the world, shining our light to the world and being lights to the nations. But I realized we're also meant to be John the Baptist, pointing away from ourselves to the light to prepare the way for the message and ministry of Jesus. I think all of us, by virtue of the way we live and express our faith, have the potential and have the responsibility to serve as John the Baptist figures, pointing beyond and away from ourselves towards the light that is always present. And I began to think of the many John the Baptist figures who prepared the way for me bit by bit as the years went by, uh, who prepared the way for me to encounter Jesus as an adult, for bapti- to prepare for baptism as an adult. And in fact, it turns out that some of them were rather scary. Um, I think of the headmaster of the little school that I attended for grade school. He was a priest and he was terrifying. But he made his mark. I think of the devout Christian neighbor who washed my mouth out with soap when I was about 10. I don't remember what I said, but I'm sure I haven't said it since. (laughs) I respected her a lot. And truthfully, as I grew older, as an adult, I, I came to deeply, deeply admire her abiding faith in the face of some very difficult health challenges and other family challenges that she faced. I think of an African-American schoolmate of mine who I sang with in choir in high school, who sang like an angel and spoke of and lived her faith with such integrity in the context of a primarily white, secular, privileged and private suburban high school. I think of my mother who said things I didn't want to hear, but things I couldn't stop thinking about and which prepared me for my own encounter with Christ. I imagine if each one of us took a moment, we might be able to think of people who've served for us and who still serve for us as John the Baptist figures who point our lives toward Jesus and help us to see his light wherever we go. But I think unlike the John the Baptist figure that we see in the text, who's primarily a solitary figure, kind of an eccentric figure, um, who's primarily alone, although he has followers, he's presented as, as kind of a loner. 
Um, I think we need each other's help to be John the Baptist for one another and for the world, especially when life is very dark and we can lose our way. We need one another to help us be the Baptist. A number of years ago, Jamie and I and some friends went out late on a late fall evening to look for a meteor shower. And we bundled up in our coats. It was very, very cold. And we crossed through the woods and over crunchy leaves and trying to find a clear spot where uh, we lived at that time as far away as we could from any source of artificial light. And uh, as I say, it was very, very cold. It was very, very clear. There were lots of stars out. I think there was even a full moon, if I recall correctly. But, of course, none of that, those weren't the lights we were looking for. We were in search of meteors. And we huddled together, uh, some of us standing, some of us sitting, some of us lying down, each focusing on different parts of the sky. And when one of us saw one of those streaking points of light, we would shout, look over there and point. And we'd all turn our gaze from wherever we were to that point in the sky where where one of our friends had pointed it out. And as you can imagine, we were kind of a comical scene. You can imagine sort of a handful of people kind of lying down, standing up, jerking around, pointing, shouting, look over there. It was kind of a comical scene, but we we had a mission. And our mission was to see these lights streaking by and and we saw them we saw them but it was quite unpredictable this business of looking for the light it required peering steadily quietly at least some of the time patiently looking into the darkness relying on our own vision and on our peripheral vision and especially on other people's vision and their willingness to share our willingness to share our discoveries and point them out. I think the Christian life is like that. It requires a thirst for light. It requires perseverance and patience intolerance for ambiguity and the unpredictable and especially it requires the community of other John the Baptists beside us to help us point out the light not just for us but for the whole world Amen